As I stroll by the dock side one morning so fair To take the salt water and breathe the sea air I spied an old fisherman singing this song Help me now boys for my time isn't long Dress me up in me oilskins and jumper No more by the docks I'll be seen Just tell me old shipmates I'm taking a trip mates And I'll see you someday in Fiddler's Green Now Fiddler's Green is a place I hear tell Where the fishermen go if they don't go to hell Where the sun always shines and the dolphins do play And the cold coast of Greenland is far, far away Dress me up in me oilskins and jumper No more by the docks I'll be seen Just tell me, old shipmates I'm taking a trip, mates And I'll see you someday in Fiddler's Green Where the weather is clear and there's never a gale And the fish jump on board with a flip of their tail You lie on the decks and there's no work to do And the captain's below making tea for the crew Dress me up in me oilskins and jumper No more by the docks I'll be seen Just tell me old shipmates I'm taking a trip mates And I'll see you someday in Fiddler's Green When you put into port and the long day is through There's pubs and there's clubs And there's lassies there too The girls are all pretty and the beer is all free And there's bottles of rum lying under each tree Dress me up in me oilskins and jumper No more by the docks I'll be seen Just tell me old shipmates I'm taking a trip mates And I'll see you someday in Fiddler's Green Now I don't want a harp Not a halo, not me Just give me a deck and the free rolling sea The wind in the rigging will sing me a song And I'll play my old squeeze box as we roll along Dress me up in me oilskins and jumper No more by the docks I'll be seen Just tell me, old shipmates, I'm taking a trip, mates, and I'll see you someday in Fiddler's Green. Just tell me, old shipmates, I'm taking a trip, mates, and I'll see you someday in Fiddler's Green. Thank you so much. Good night. Drive carefully. If you don't want a man unhappy politically, don't give him two sides to a question to worry him. Give him one. Better yet, give him none. Let him forget there is such a thing. Let him forget there is such a thing as war. If the government is inefficient, top-heavy, and tax-mad, better it be all of those than that people worry over it. Peace, Montag. Give people contests they win by remembering the words to more popular songs or the names of state capitals or how much corn grew in Iowa last year. Cram them full of non-combustible data, chalk them so damn full of facts that they feel stuffed but absolutely brilliant with information. Then they'll feel like they're thinking. They'll get a sense of motion without moving. And they'll be happy because facts of that sort don't change. That is from Fahrenheit 451 by the great Ray Ray Bradbury. Seems um, 
Fahrenheit 451 seems a pretty appropriate book right now. Uh, the people are burning books again, which is so strange. This is one of those things that happened like it, it, like you would you would hear about like a Baptist church somewhere or some kind of church somewhere way back in you know in my childhood like they got mad about something and they're burning books or they're burning albums or whatever they were I, mean, I but you think you should we could move past this so on one hand you've got people burning books uh that mouse book uh in particular seems to be the uh book in the crosshairs of a certain demographic of folks uh, books with kind of anything to do with LGBTQ stuff are in the crosshairs. And then you've got like podcasts like Joe Rogan and, and there's plenty of folks on the political left who would burn that book if it was a book to be burned. But it's not. Well, we got to be that way. I don't know. Let's talk about this stuff. Can you sail under the command of a pirate? Can you not? Fear itself. This nation will rise up. Live out the true meaning of its creed. Words are thin. We hold these truths to be, be self-evident. Careful about calling people out of their names. I kept coming back to it, just trying to figure out where in the world we had gone so wrong that it had ended up here. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? What we've got here is failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You don't tell your pappy how to cut the electorate. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communication. Oh, you're you not at a time. Are you not at the time? There's no way you are here. And welcome to the Pirate Professor Podcast. This is your captain speaking. How you doing, crew? It is February something. Fourth. All kinds of stuff going on in the world, and most of it's cold. What's going on? We've got... I already talked about books getting burned and some parts of the world we've got Russia and Ukraine you've got Joe Rogan and and I almost said Neil Diamond um um well crap I just completely lost my uh Neil Young not Neil Diamond thank you thank you whoever it was who just corrected me from your headset Somehow it made it back in time to me, and we're all good. So a lot of people are just freezing their tails off right now because it's ridiculously cold. Um, I skipped out of Arkansas to get down to the boat before the ice hit. So I am currently sitting on the boat under a gale warning. It got cold down in South Texas. Way colder than it normally would, and lots of people are kind of cold, kind of kind of irritable about that little detail, and that's okay. Uh, it was about this time last year that Texas, the power grid, 
collapsed under the strain of a, another cold system similar to this one though uh, decidedly worse um, but power still on heat still on most importantly so it seems that crisis has been averted um, but technically I'm on a snow day as far as the university is concerned and I've been sitting fighting with my computer trying to figure out some stuff today so I'm getting this thing recorded a little later than um, originally planned. So what can we talk about? Um, I don't want to get into Russia and Ukraine because I'll tell you why. Because I'm not qualified to talk on those subjects. And I'm the first to admit it. Um, I can certainly have an opinion. Um, but it's not a well researched opinion where I should be counted on as anyone of an authority so if you and I were sitting across from each other and having a conversation I'd tell you but the fact that I'm recording it and putting it out on the streaming world we'll leave it be however the world of communication I can uh, give a little bit more insight into Specifically on this one, I think I want to talk a little bit about the whole uh, Joe Rogan, Neil Young, not Neil Diamond, um, thing going on. And full disclosure, I regularly, 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 some words are just harder to say when there's a microphone in front of you. I often listen to the Joe Rogan uh, podcast. It's fairly entertaining. Um but I think I can also be say that I take it for what it is. Um, I take it as a guy who is a comedian, who is curious, who has certain opinions, uh, and likes to bring on other people, but also tends to fall in his own, you know, in fallacy traps that I don't necessarily realize. Think he realizes he's going down. So, but I can forgive him for that because I do the same stupid shit myself. Um. So, what do we do? All right, so let, let's, without getting into that, let's let's answer a couple of questions. I made a post the other day on Facebook, uh, but nobody seemingly under 30 is on Facebook anymore, so uh, let's just throw this out there. On The question of, that comes up, and Rogan is one of them, and lots of others who have, have podcasts or social media profiles that are popular, and they are declaring, in many cases, that they are um, being censored. And the question is, and their you know their constitutional rights are being taken. If you take it a step further, if you get into like the Tucker Carlson's of the world, saying, "By God, by God." They're stealing my freedom. So the question on the table, is that what's going on? Now, let me go ahead and, and take a step back and say why I'm qualified to answer this question, or at least qualified to give an opinion, which I would say is a well-informed opinion. First of all, I've been working in communication and journalism for like 30 years. I'm effing old. And not only that, what I have seen in that past 30 years is the evolution of the communication industry. Really, I've seen it change, like completely re revamp itself at least twice uh, since I was a grown-ass adult. And so what do we do? Um, how do we address this? So, um, I'm gonna throw, here, here's what I'm going to do, because I'm, I'm, I can't multitask, so I'm going to try to be clever and put music underneath this while I talk. And I'm doing this all live like I'm actually on a radio station, because I'm lazy and I don't want to have to edit this stuff in later. What's this one? It's called Under the Rug. Oh wait, I can't do this. And if I had any sense, I would have known that already because this is the thing I've been fighting with all day. Uh, so I use Dropbox for a lot of my storage uh, because I have several computers. They're all Macs. And 
and I regularly kind of bounce back and forth between them. Like I've got a, I've got an, a MacBook, you know, laptop that I carry around with me. Like so, when I'm down here on the boat, like I am right now. I don't know if can you uh, is the sound of the boat coming through because it's kind of windy. So the boat's doing a bunch of creaking in today. It's not as windy as it was this morning though. Uh, anyway. So I've got the MacBook, I've got an iMac in my office at the university, and then I have another iMac at the cabin. And rather than like hauling around a um, external drive all the time or constantly like sending myself stuff, I just save everything on Dropbox, which is cloud storage for a handful of you who don't know that. And it just syncs up, so... If I'm here on the boat and I'm working on a project and I save it and I save it into the Dropbox folder, then, you know, and then I go to the cabin and I, I can pick that. I can just open it up and start working on it from there. Different computer, different location. It's all just there. Go to the office, same thing. Rinse and repeat. Super convenient. Um, but I don't use, I've been use, I haven't used the MacBook for a minute so it sat around for a couple of months without me ever really using it. So I did a bunch of updates on it before I came down here this week. And there's a new operating system from Mac. There is, and then I updated on my Adobe software. And somewhere along the lines, I now can't, if it's sitting in a Dropbox folder, if I have an MP3 specifically sitting in a Dropbox folder, I can't play it can't even access it I can just click on it and it's like no error but if I can just go to my desktop and play the same file it works perfect so it's frustrating anyway so this is one of the things working in this world there you run into things that you know a problem that you didn't have yesterday now is a problem that stops all your workflow so that being said I um, just went on a tangent that had nothing to do with the topic but Anyway, I'm trying to work it out. Long story short, I'm not going to be able to play music under my witty dialogue here. And you don't even care. You're just like, shut up and go on with it. Um, all right, so backing up. The question on the table is, can social media companies um, violate a... Um, person's freedom of speech first of all we have to look to see how we look at social media companies are they a distribution platform or are they a publishing platform this is where it makes all the difference in the world so um, let's just say Spotify or actually it's not I don't even use Spotify because they're already in that Let's use Apple iTunes or, uh, yeah, iTunes or Apple, I don't know, is it Apple Music? Did they change the name? I don't know. Everything seems to be different now. We'll call it iTunes because I don't want to look it up. So I record this podcast and mostly when I listen to podcasts, I subscribe to them through iTunes. So I record it, I hit save, I upload it to my, my, um, podcast website and then from there it gets distributed to Apple it gets distributed to Spotify it gets distributed to I think, Amazon a few others I don't remember where it goes it goes a few places so you as a user can subscribe to it I don't have any control over who finds it who sees it who hears it none of that uh, all I can do is like advertise it myself send out links and that's pretty much the only way I can market it and the only way that people know it exists nobody is promoting it in any form or fashion by all intents and purposes I would say that's kind of your basic distribution platform like there, nobody's from iTunes is going we really like this this podcast and we want everyone to hear it I mean I'm sure there are some things where they're just popular and they want to push more popular stuff great fine but they don't really seem to be turning the dial one way or the other um, and with social media for a long time it used to be that way 
so for the millennials out there who remember things like uh, the, like the earlier networks, you had Zanga to start with. Zanga spelled with an X, which is really just a blogging platform. And then right behind Zanga came um, I, uh, MySpace, which most of you have heard of. A few of you have actually had an account. The thing about it is um, Zanga was originally created as a platform for unpublished authors to write, put their stuff out there, share it with other people who are kind of in a similar vein, and go, hey, you can here's, here's a way people can read my stuff. You know, it's still fairly new. Like, we're talking, backing up a little bit further as far as like internet access. I graduated college in 1996. I did not have a functional email address or a computer until that year. So I was a senior in college before I owned a computer or had an email address. Everything before that was, well, it was just done on paper. And even then it was, you know, dial-up. Uh, so that's 1996. So Zanga and MySpace come on five, six, seven years later, somewhere in there. Uh, still pretty early in the great scheme of things. You know, barely time for someone to have enrolled in college and gotten through. And then Facebook jumps on the airwaves in 2005. And then I think um, Twitter was 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. Uh, 2007 is when I started teaching, and I remember specifically asking my students if they'd heard of Twitter. Uh, and none of them had. So... Just putting that into context, it seems like forever ago for some people. But if we're talking about in the great scheme of, you know, the history of communication, that is like a second. Just a second of time. Okay, so why does any of this matter? All right, well, with all of those, and Facebook in particular in the early days, it was it was really about, what I would say, small circles trying to get bigger. You would you would connect with people who are local, like people you actually knew, people you were in class with, Facebook specifically, um, back when it was cool, uh, or people thought it was cool, or at least when people under 25 thought it was cool. Um, you know, you could only have it if you had a college email address. And so the thing about it was your parents couldn't listen to it or, or not listen to it, couldn't follow along and see what kind of shenanigans you were up to. So, um, lo and behold, it got super popular, and then they just kept adding, adding, and adding, and adding in functions. Like, there was no messaging function on the beginning. Pages went through, like, a dozen different iterations before they finally settled on what they were, and then, you know, and then they opened it up to the general public, and then it just got huge, and it got huger, and huger, and huger, and huger, and for, until it was finally ginormous. But the other thing to note here, uh, I also remember Google is on the rise at this point as well. In the early days of the web, one of the big problems was no one understood how to monetize it. And so you got these stupid pop-up ads and little ad, you know these god-awful ads that would just pop up on the sides of screens and whatever. And, and so what they were doing is the, on, the only thing people had to equate it to, because remember, early internet didn't have all the video stuff that you have now. Because everybody, you know, nobody had internet speeds fast enough to, you know, play YouTube videos or streaming. They just didn't, you just didn't have that. And so it was mostly text-based, and then you started getting more and more photos added into it. Well, the closest anybody in the industry had to that was something like a newspaper or a magazine. And so they just started trying to apply the same advertising techniques that they would use like for a newspaper. Which were just, you know, big stupid ads stuck in the middle of the page. And that's all they knew. Well, later on, as time goes on, they figure out, oh, wait, that's not really... Like, it it's not very efficient. People don't know. They don't, nobody likes it. It's annoying. I mean, they still do it, but it's annoying. But companies like Axiom, which is an Arkansas-based company, started realizing that there's actually uh, 
more you could do and you could get really efficient in your advertising and marketing if you started mining the data of the users on these platforms. Like you start mining the data of like the way somebody um, uses their credit card or, or their debit card. Like start keeping up with what time of the day they shop, where are they shopping, what location, and, and they just you start aggregating all of this data. And then from a marketing standpoint, you can then turn around and you can sell that information to advertisers. And so going back, you know, uh, late 2000s, late 2006, or yeah, 2000, yeah it was about 2000, 2005, 2006, I was buying a lot of advertising, uh, state-based, lo- state but I was working on a national advertising team. Um, I was spending, you know, $100,000 a year on ads then, which was a tiny, tiny advertising budget um, because, and this, again, this is, we're talking close to 20 years ago. Um, the average car dealership was spending $100,000 a month on television ads. So it was super expensive. And you didn't really know what you were getting for your money. All right, so lo and behold, here comes the social networks. And, these, and, these, and Google's doing it, and Facebook starts doing it later, and, and they start coming up with an advertising platform that says, hey, are you looking for a 23-year-old single male who's into fly fishing and lives in Montana well I can give you that list and so you the only thing you have to do is buy you know ads to target that particular demographic of people they're not going to go to anyone else because everything you do you know from your phone usage to your computer usage to your buying habits everything all of that stuff that you're doing is all all gets aggregated and they know which groups or which buckets they can throw you in. And and so for me as a marketer, I went from having to spend let's just say a thousand dollars let's say a thousand dollars for a to advertise on the any like network newscast at six o'clock on a Thursday night. It cost me a thousand dollars to advertise, you know, two one or two thirty second commercials. And I don't really know who I'm reaching. I can do that and then and then I can flip that money and turn it into I'm gonna spend a thousand dollars and reach the exact audience I want multiple times over multiple weeks for the same money. And if I've really got my stuff together and I can track, uh, because if it's coming through a website, I can track where people are coming from, then I know exactly what my money's, what my money's being spent, my return on an investment. And so from a marketer standpoint, it becomes super efficient and super cost effective, and most importantly, super effective to advertise this way. And so this becomes the rage, and this is, this is why the social media companies make so much effing money is because they can do that. Um, and no, it is from an advertiser standpoint, I don't just click on there and go through my little deal and then get like an actual list of people. Like I can't say Joe Bob, you know, he lives at this address in this town and he's this age. I don't, you, you never actually see the, the individual people. Um, that's all on the back end, but you know your stuff's reaching that particular demographic. Um, and again, you can check it all in and find out if it's. So, from that is where social networks really started trying to, to tap into this idea of how long can we get users to come, or can we dominate, make sure the users are coming to our platform. And then staying the longest partic- the longest time as possible. So what we would call an attention economy. And so what happens at that point is that 
the users, you and me, going on, updating your profiles and posting pictures of your vacation, you are not the customer. And I think this is where a lot of people mess, mess up. You're not the customer. You are the product. You specifically are the product the social networks are selling to the marketers. Now, where influencers come in, folks like Joe Rogan, who have like huge Instagram accounts, which, you know, are also owned by Facebook, which is also Instagram owned by Facebook. What they do is they're like, all right, what users do we have out there who are who are getting the most traction, the people who have the biggest followings that, you know, for whatever, they, they, they grab people's attention and they hang on to it and people keep coming back. Well, what they do, and, and this is where things happen, before they were what I would call a distribution network, suddenly what happened is they started changing the dials and were like, oh, okay, people who talk about this particular subject get more traction, get more, more followers, more engagement, people commenting, whatever. And so they're like, how do we push people to that kind of content? And so on the back end, and again, you don't see any of this. They're start, they're, they're changing the formula, their algorithms, they're changing the dials. And they're directing people for, to one thing or another. This is important because this is specifically the moment that they stop being a distribution network and they start being a publisher because what they're now doing is it's not just all a blank slate and you can just go, you know, where you want they're actively directing you to certain accounts and directing you away by default to other accounts um one of the things that happened when i was doing facebook marketing is and it, and it hit like you just got punched in the face one day with this you work you build up your account you or your you know whatever your page is business page and i was you know dealing with clients and i'd have pages you know several thousand people on each of these and, you, and we'd built them up from nothing and so this was our audience and we were connecting with them and you know it was great it was working great until one day well, i'm just making up numbers here where i would make a post and on average it would reach a thousand people the very next day I would make a post and it would reach 30. And we're all like, what the hell is going on here? And then we get a message from Facebook saying, hey, by the way, we're changing the way we're doing pages now. So if you want to effectively reach your, your, your people, you're going to have to pay us now. So now it suddenly goes directly into an advertising model. Not only am I paying to just reach people that have never heard of my, my page or my product, I have, to pay, I have to pay them to reach people that, I have already, that have already said they're following me. So they decide, hey, yeah, we're going to turn the volume way down on your page until you give us a certain amount of money, and then we'll turn the volume up. This is the model of a publishing company this is a model of saying you know of any book publisher or whatever you know you're buying ads once you realize your particular place in all this you are the, the advertisers are the customer and the customer is the one who has to pay the users are the product so, when someone like Joe Rogan comes along, which Spotify, he, he had like a $100 million contract for like 10 years to exclusively put his stuff on Spotify. Spotify's going, hey, he is the influencer of all influencers and we want him. Uh, there's tons of other people out there who have kind of big audiences, crazy big audiences. So, case in point, you know, there's plenty of teenagers out there who have well over a million followers. And that's a much bigger audience than any, like, state network television station has in Arkansas. Or really in most states, really. Um, so, where was I going with all this? 
Oh, so you know, the question is, you know, was someone are they, are we getting censored? Uh, Rogan wasn't saying he's been censored by Spotify. Oh, uh, he has said he was being censored by you know Facebook and Instagram and some other places. But again, it's the question of do they want stuff directed toward them or not directed to them? Like the New York Times or Random House or Penguin. These are all publishing companies, and I can, I can, I can write them a letter to the editor all day long, or I can write an op-ed, but they are in no obligation to publish it. That's kind of what we've done now. That's what that's what social media companies have um, come into. Now, and the next question is, people are like, rrr, rrr, and shaking pitchforks and torches and whatever else, and they're like. They need to take away protections for these social media. Maybe they do. Um, A lot of the stuff that effed things up was part of the uh, Telecommunications Act of 1996, which, you know, incidentally comes around the same year that I get an email address and a functional computer. Um, But one of the things that 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 particular... Um, bill did is it did away with a lot of the limits that was that were placed on broadcast agencies specifically on the amount of reach that they could have there was there was like a long-standing belief that um, media companies should only have a certain amount of influence like it's okay to have lots of media companies and they all they all have their own influence but if you get one that gets so big that it actually holds the power to sway the opinion of a nation, then that media company is too powerful. And so there were, you know, there were checks in place to keep that from happening for broadcast companies. Uh, the Telecommunications Act undid a lot of that. So what do you do? Um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to play a song. I don't actually... What am I going to do? We're at 33 minutes here. I feel like I've just been rambling. Um, I feel like there was more than I wanted to say. Yeah, so I'm not going to play a song. I'll just I'll play us out with a song in a minute. I'm not going to go a full hour. I just want to get this out of here. Felt like I accomplished something today. So, Neil Young... Feel free, protest all you want, man. You don't have to. You don't have to be associated with Joe Rogan if you don't want to be. Great, Joe Rogan, put whatever you want out there. Great. Um, but there's still kind of a level of accountability that you know has to come play out. <sighs> I'm out of stuff to say, so I'm not going to keep rambling. Anyway, I feel like I'll probably stop this. And remember something important that I left out. But until then, um, choose the people that you follow. What is going on here? Oh, it started playing automatically. Um, choose the accounts that you follow wisely. Um, choose your influencers. Wisely. Oh, I remember something else. It has nothing to do with this, but this is something I've been thinking about. One of the things that I see right now, we've got, I signed up for a TikTok account recently, and my God, how much time can I waste just watching these videos? And then I see the numbers of views that these people have, and God bless them. They seem to be entertaining, but there's not a lot of talent there. If I'm being honest, like, I get a certain degree of talent. I mean, you can change clothes and flip your hair and do a creative edit. Great. Or you can dance a little bit. Or you can... You can play karaoke with a comedian. I don't know. Whatever the hell it is that people do on there. I can sit and watch a comedic bit done by somebody else and just sat there by some dude sitting in a truck just mouthing the words like where I, I don't get it I get that it's entertaining I don't get where it's that entertaining 
Um, that's side the point. What, what my personal feelings on the quality of the content is 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 um, inconsequential. The thing I'm kind of curious of is what's going to happen to all these people who suddenly have they've got hundreds of thousands of followers or millions of followers or tens of thousands of followers. They got a lot of people that as soon as they post something, they're like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. I love you. Or they're just, oh, you're so talented. Oh, what? They're just this constant dopamine hits coming just right after another. Just, or, you know, I'm sure they get some haters too and they'll obsess over those, but whatever. But they're on top of the world and they're like 19 or 20. What happens when they turn 25 and they're, you know, the algorithms get the knobs changed again and suddenly nobody's looking at them. I wonder if that's going to do this with somebody's brain. Like, look, I'm, and, and, and people are convincing them, so I deserve all this attention. And then somebody's going to flip a switch and they're going to go and get none of it. That's going to be a head trip for some folks. Probably not a good one. I don't know. Just a thing to think about. All right. Uh, I'm not going to keep going. Maybe I am. I've been doing some recording. I got my, uh, I recorded two other things this past week, but I'll, those are going to be more kind of heavily edited and whatnot. A little more produced rather than this, which is literally just me sitting at my kitchen table on the boat with a microphone and a laptop and rambling, talking out my ass. Um. Anything else? Yeah, doesn't matter. Actually, it does matter. And this is me coming back and doing and and absolutely being a complete hypocrite and saying I wasn't going to edit anything. And by God, I'm doing it right now. Because I went back and I just completely deleted the end of everything that I was going to do. And I'm not. I'm not ashamed. I'm not, I'm not embarrassed about that. I will tell you right up front, I was wrong. It does matter. Uh, specifically, there's a few things I realized because I went back and listened to it after I recorded it. And I was like, ah, there's just, I, I know I'm leaving shut out. And because it's been one of these, oh, it's just been one of these days. It's just been a crappy, cold day and the wind's blowing and I don't want to work. And technically I'm on a snow day. And, but despite, when I started recording this, it was cloudy and windy, and now I'm looking above me, and it's a clear blue sky. It's still cold, but the sun's coming out, so it matters. Now, here here's one of the things I wanted to talk about or mention. Going back to the Rogan-Neil Young thing, um, can a social media company violate a person's freedom of speech what i'm going to argue is while it may be a dick move to do it they're not technically doing it they're not doing it any more than you know they were when they suddenly facebook suddenly said hey you're going to have to pay us to get your message out uh, to reach your audience that you spent so much time working like it's their platform uh and you know, they changed the rules. Well, you know, it's like you're living in a rented house. What are you going to do? Like your landlord says, hey, by the way, I know we're under lease, but the lease is up and now we're changing things where you're not under the lease. And by God, next week we're doubling your rent. What are you going to do? You don't really have any recourse from that. So uh, you're still allowed to, you know, go build your own web server. Go build your own streaming service go hand out flyers at the courthouse whatever it is that's still technically protecting your freedom of speech maybe maybe do you disagree I'm more than happy to hear your disagreements um, at the same time Neil Young saying hey screw you Spotify I don't make any money off you guys anyway this is true this is one of the big arguments and this is actually probably one of the things I hear I've heard for years is is since everything has changed over and 
you know, people don't buy CDs anymore, or they don't buy anything anymore. They just download it on streaming services that the artists themselves don't get jack. So it's not like Neil Young's getting hurt financially from it. So, um, what does he care? Oh, uh, you know, if you don't want his stuff there, take your toys and go home. Good for you. So here's what I say. Good for you, Neil Young. Good for you, Joe Rogan. As a human civilization, we can probably do better, though. You know. Life doesn't always have to be, I'm going to take my toys and go home. I can respect both, so I'm not going to pick a side. Um, just not going to do it. And I think that's one of the things... Uh, it's actually one of them. I'll, I'll talk about it more in a podcast. The other podcast that's coming up on discernment. It's this idea of being able to take like an idea and not getting emotionally invested in it. Maybe a big idea. Like this. This is a pretty big idea. Like I don't think. Like I. When I was recording, I saw like Lex Friedman said like the White House is you know shouldn't encourage Spotify to censor Joe Rogan. And if the White House is actually trying to do that, then you're damn right, Lex Friedman. The White House should not be getting involved in that. That's not their that's not their business. Stay out. Stay out. Um, especially when it comes to free speech. By God. Stay the F out. Um That's all I'm gonna say about that. I did have a completely different song recorded and one of my old favorite songs from way back in the 90s that's from a cool band but you know what and then i was like you know what by god i'm gonna play neil young's rocking in the free world and i was like wait neil young doesn't want to be on spotify and this podcast goes out on spotify and so i screwed up putting um I screwed up with the whole Neil Young, Neil Diamond thing. So I'm going to end this out with Neil Diamond coming to America. Saw Neil Diamond at the Pyramid in Memphis back again. 95-ish, 94-95. You know, what's now the Bass Pro Shop? I have literally at that place, I have seen fishing lures, Neil Diamond, and a Ramsey exhibit. It's an amazing world we live in, isn't it? It's an amazing effing world. So crew, I will see you next time on the next voyage and the next passage. This is the Pirate Professor. Say, keep on rocking the free world when you're coming to America. While listening to Joe Rogan. Peace out.
Yeah.